What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the ENC Podcast. Today, we are being joined with our friends at the Anchor of Hall, Kurt Gerald and Emily Ludwig. Um, what's up, guys? Yeah. And as always, we're being joined with the greatest co-host ever, Shelby Robinson. Hey, everybody. Cool. All right, guys. Um, so just to get started, for those of people who don't know what the anchor is, can you just give us um, a little bit of what, what you do, what the anchor is? Uh, so we are a group of people who saw a need for community. Saw that community could answer a lot of um problems out there, including addiction, not solve, but be a part of the answer to um, things like addiction and recovery. Um, And we're learning much more like even um, people struggling with other mental health disorders or just people just needing community, right? Um, So we do specialize in things of recovery. We do recovery coaching. Um, We have a bunch of sober activities here, but I'd say 70% of our people, 60%, 70% of people in recovery and the other are just people who are looking for community. So how did, how did the anchor like come to fruition? How did it come to start? So a couple of years ago, I don't forget, was it three or four years ago, the North street community church in Nazarene, which is in Hingham, they were seeing uh, people, you know, stepping into their church who were dealing with, you know, things of addiction uh, losing actual members of their congregation to addiction and stuff like that. And it seemed to be, uh, they just felt cold to this area hull, which is kind of north of Hingham. It's this peninsula right north of Hingham. It's kind of a forgotten man's land unless you're trying to go to the beach in the summer. Um, and there is a higher uh, rate of addictions and overdoses and all that happening up here. Anyway, so they saw <clears throat> saw a need, started praying about it, want to see what they could do. They wanted to do more, and Jeremy says this all the time, and I respect it. They wanted to do more than just saying, all right, you know, you got our thoughts and prayers. Like, they wanted to actually do something. Um, so they prayed about it. They they got, got a grant, actually, to hire somebody to be a pastor of addiction and the arts. And uh, I know nothing about art. The person who they were going to hire before me was a lot more qualified. Um, And so that person fell through and then they got stuck with me. Uh, I came in and um, just started meeting with people, right? Getting plugged into the recovery scene, meet with the police, start going on overdose calls with the police. Um, try to get plugged in with the high school, uh, just got plugged into the community, you know what I'm saying? And um, something we saw as essential and something we kept hearing was that if you don't play sports or the, you, you're not in theater arts, there's nothing for you to do at all. So we wanted to offer that space, right? That space where you can um, you can come be yourself, uh, free from any, um, uh, you know, maybe what's the word I'm looking for? Emily, free from what bad stuff? What's the word? Temptation. Temptations. There we go. Um, free from like temptation, uh, and not necessarily only focus on recovery, right. But like on life, on living life, on having fun together, on building community and stuff like that. And, um, 
so we got, I mean, you know, a pipe dream and it came true because, you know, God's pretty sick. And, uh, we got a location, uh, and little by little, like, you know, we don't know where our next, whatever is coming from, but you know, God's in it and he's just doing his thing. And, and then we got to bring on Emily, which was awesome. She's uh, our program director. She can tell you more about what she does. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Again, I forgot the original question. I usually eat lunch at this time, so my brain's kind of not there. <laughs> Pull up your lunch while we're talking. That's fine. Right. <laughs> Emily, what do you, like Kurt said, what is it that you do at the Anchor? So I'm the program director. Um, we have this center, which was a part of this long process. They went from getting this grant to hire this pastor and we've evolved and now we have this massive building. I don't even know how many square feet, but it's amazing. It's huge. We had lots of help renovating it. Um, we actually, it's, it's belongs to a temple in town. It's, it was their old youth center and we rent from them, which is a cool in itself is like a cool interfaith thing, um, partnership. So that's awesome. Um, and I guess before this whole pandemic, that building was filled seven, six to seven nights a week. Uh, we were there during the day. We were just getting started with, we'd been there about a year and we were really getting established with, you know, office hours and uh, it's hard. It can be hard for us to communicate kind of what that building is. The anchor we know is the community of people, but that building, which people also refer to as the anchor of Hull, it's, it's not a recovery center. It's not a community center. It's not a church. It's like all of those things. And that we haven't really seen that done before. Nobody has. So we have a hard time describing it, but I would say, I mean, I guess it's easiest for me to explain the kinds of things that go on there. We have a Bible study. We have uh, a youth group. We have kids club. Um, but then we also have things like um, AA meetings, NA meetings. We were having a smart recovery meeting. And then there's like mindfulness nights, which are mindfulness is, is really important for a lot of people in recovery. It's also really important for a lot of people that aren't in recovery. So mm. things like uh, meditative arts meditation, yoga. So you can see in all of those things, there are, there's something for just about everybody, not just people in recovery. So community center, recovery center, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're doing. We're trying to bring people together. Um, yeah, just be a place where people can hang out. So that means I plan all those things, plan parties. That's been really fun, which I've learned is a huge part of people's recovery and just holistic health in general is the ability to like have fun and find joy uh, and not like there can be fun in your recovery journey, but sometimes it can be heavy and serious. And our one-on-ones are a lot of times we're talking about difficult things, but I think we get to see another side of all of these people we work with when they're just like out at the Christmas party and things like that. So get to plan a lot of fun things. And I also, we're both recovery coaches and Pastor Jeremy is a recovery coach too. And we have volunteers. Um, so we work one-on-one with people as well. That's awesome. 
Um, so with all those things kind of that you guys have going on um, at the anchor, how have you guys had to shift that? Um, like what are the creative ways that you've been able to still do some of those things maybe in the midst of COVID-19 and all that has come with that? Yeah. Um, I think Kurt can talk more cause he's been there more often and there's a lot of cool things that are happening physically at the building outside the building, I guess I should say. Um, but we've been able to still meet with people over zoom. Uh, Kurt's been doing a daily check-in, which is, that's really cool. I think, um, it literally every day, seven days a week, he's been able to either himself or have people in charge of meeting with people or just being available like office hours, essentially come check in. And again, that's open to anybody. Um, and he can talk more about that, but we also have done, um, our youth group, we've moved online, our Bible study, we've moved online. We've had talks about doing things like yoga in our events. A lot of the things that we run are based on volunteers teaching something like yoga. And so we're still kind of looking through, looking for someone to do that. Um, but it's like things are changing every week. Now, now we're thinking about moving back to, you know, now that the weather's nice, are we doing things outside? We just don't know. We don't know. So, but Kirk can talk more about what he's been doing in those meetings. Yeah. Um, the daily check-in actually has become like its own little support group. It's pretty sick. Um, people just using it um, for connection. Do you know what I mean? Like the recovery community, I, I know all humans need this, but like the recovery community literally survives on community. Like it, it it's not like oh, I like to do community. It's like, if we don't have community, we're going to die. Like that's just bottom line. Um, so we have to get it somehow. Uh, there was uh, a daily uh, outdoor AA meeting at 12 o'clock that really uh, we've, we've had to try to keep some, like, just not tell many people, but like the people who are there, it's not ours. It's a group of people who are like, we're going to die. I can't do zoom meetings cause I don't have technology. I need interaction. I need, you know, it's this support group. And like, who, I mean, who am I? I'm not going to tell them no, they can't meet outside. Cause you know what I mean? Um, so that, and then I've been doing a ton of meetings on Zoom, like one-on-ones, like literally my schedule, my three to four is my only downtime, uh, except for Fridays. And sun, sorry, Sundays and Saturdays are lighter. I, I complain, but Saturdays and Sundays are lighter. But usually I have meetings from morning to evening because we can't, because they can't get it any other way now. You know what I mean? And then my discipleship groups we've been starting to move towards meeting outdoors too so we're curious to know um when we think when you think about addiction recovery and the steps that it takes to get there whether it's aa na or any other type of addiction recovery what has addiction recovery taught us about living and dealing with a pandemic well i actually you know what i think people are starting to realize what the recovery community has already known is that community fellowship time together is actually essential for mental health wellness. Like we're not designed to be 
in seclusion. I mean, you can even take a look at prisoners who have been put in seclusion for years. That is unhealthy. It's just not, we're not designed that way. I'm an introvert. I love my alone time and I needed it. I needed to be around people. So I don't know. That's something that I guess the world is seeing. My mom is seeing, right? My mom's like, I just want to be around people. And I don't know if that's answering your question. Maybe Emily's, Emily's a little smarter one of us too. She might have a better answer. <laughs> yeah, I think something that we are, are, one of our primary goals is to not let people isolate mm. because that's where things get dangerous, I think, for people. Um, and so people are learning the importance of, you know, it's, it would be super easy to just disappear right now. Um, it takes a lot more effort to connect with people in some ways. And so I do think that this whole pandemic is, is kind of reflects the heart of what we do mm -hmm. of working harder to find the good and to connect with people. I also think just looking at the 12 steps. So I personally am not in recovery, but I have kind of worked through um, a Christian adaptation of the 12 steps that we use for our discipleship groups. So anybody can be in our discipleship groups. You don't have to have gone through the steps. You don't have to be in recovery, but um, they walk, it walks through all 12 steps and a Christian adaptation. And so the, the base of the book is these are steps that any Christian can adapt and use in their faith. So for example, step one, you know, our lives are unmanageable. I think people are feeling that whether you're in recovery or not, people are feeling like this whole situation, we've never seen this before. It feels like chaos. It feels unmanageable. And then, you know, for those of us on our faith journeys, like it's in some ways testing that, are we going to surrender this to God? Are we like, what are we going to do? We have choices here. And so I really think you could look at those 12 steps and, and find a lot of parallels between mm. those steps um, and how people lean into recovery or they use those steps to lean into their faith like I have. And you could see a lot of parallels in what's going on right now. It's because Jesus wrote the 12 steps, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was uh, reading an article recently that said it was about the 10, 10 secrets that somebody in uh, recovery from addiction know about how to survive a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And one of those that really stood out to me was uh, like, it was number three on the list, which was it's about progress and not about perfection. Mm -hmm. uh, how is that a correlation between working through a pandemic and working through recovery? Well, I'm trying to think how it correlates to, well, actually, yeah, absolutely. You know, because none of us know what the, uh, what's going on, what we're doing. None of us know what we're doing at all. Um, it, we're just trying to do the next best thing is another thing you'll hear in recovery, right? And I fail miserably daily um, in my recovery and in um this pandemic situation, like, I don't know what I'm doing, man. Like we're told that we can't do exactly what we based our entire thing off of, which was meeting together in community. Right. 
So it's like, all right, crap. How do I give that to the people? So, yeah. Um, what was, sorry, uh, not doing the next best thing. What was the quote uh, you said again? The About problem, the not perfect. Yeah. yeah. So it ain't going to be perfect, bro. It's going to be ugly and messy and um, there's going to be tears, blood, death. That's, you know, I can't even tell you the amount of relapses and overdoses and deaths I've had. I can't tell you the deaths. Overdoses I can't really and relapse I can't either. But it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be messy. And we are not striving for that perfection, but we're striving. Because if you strive for that, that, that is their whole point, right? If you strive for that, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to be grasping and you're never going to feel good about yourself and you're going to feel like a piece of crap. And, but if you just realize you're just trying to do the next, if, if you live your life by like, I'm just trying to do the next right thing. And that's like big slogan in AA, just doing the next. If you're just trying to live by that motto, I think overall you're going to be moving in that direction and you can apply that to pandemic, right? Like, is it, is it right that I had people meet outside um, daily? Is it wrong? I don't know, but I was trying to just do the next right thing. I think I just have one more question for you guys. Um, who were some of the influential people at ENC that <laughs> maybe mentored you or maybe still even mentor you and have really kind of pushed you to where you are today? You go first, Emily. That is a great question. <laughs> I know yours. I love talking about the people that I love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Lynn, Lynn and Larry, obviously, Lynn and Larry Bollinger are amazing. I, I can't even find words because there's too many words. Um, <laughs> Lynn, so I worked with Lynn my senior year, was it? And then I ended up, uh, I had plans to leave ENC and to leave the East Coast. And Lynn kind of took control of all of that in the best way possible um, and gave me another option. And I ended up staying here. And so after my senior year, I didn't know what my plan was. I had not been offered a job at the Anchor, but I came here to be the GA in her office and things unfolded and I ended up going to the same church as Kurt which for the record senior year Kurt had told me about this whole plan for this like discipleship program like that ended in you know housing for people in recovery and I was studying business he was like you have the business background little did he know I was just scraping by in those classes (laughs) but um so he had told me about this whole plan and he said I want you to be a part of it and I just was like huh that's funny. Okay. I don't know. Um, and again, had this plan to go to the West coast, but ended up working here, ended up going to North street where Kurt had just been hired and had started this whole journey. And so our paths cross because God does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was in that position, Lynn, I think really pushed me, um, in so many ways to, to really believe in myself and to look closely at my specific gifts not trying to fit any other any role of what i had seen before in someone else just for the sake of fitting that role because i thought that that's what you know pastoral leadership 
or ministry looked like, but really looking genuinely at myself. And I don't think I had very much self-awareness back then, which that's a whole journey, but I think I did have to look closely at what, what do I enjoy? What am I good at? Um, and just the way that Lynn and Larry developed leadership skills um, was huge. Carrie Lewis, also amazing. Yeah. I, I was on student government and so she was the advisor for that, which all those leadership skills, I wouldn't even have, you know, gone after something like any sort of leadership if it weren't for someone like Carrie who had been helpful, really fundamental actually in shaping that and mentoring even as a student. I could go on and on. I'll stop with those two. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I got Corey McPherson because um, he was from New York and he took me under his wing in the beginning. Uh, Monte, uh, who helped me to see some stuff. Who else? Le Dr. LaFountain, Dr. Malice, Malice with his laugh. Yo, I had awesome. Honestly, yo, I couldn't have survived school, period, man. Like, I can't really read well. Um, I'm not that intelligent, but like they freaking those professors and those people, like that's not a job for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they freaking spent hours talking to me, hours just listening to my stupid stuff. Like some of the stuff I was used to. I remember I'd be like, "Yo, I can't believe I used to say that or even think that," and they just like sat there all gracefully and like and was like, "Yeah." Okay. And like help me work through some of that stuff. So yeah, those four off the top of my head were huge. Uh, in my, I'm probably missing somebody and I'm going to feel stupid. <laughs> well, that's all right. We'll, uh, we'll add them out later, but, uh, looks like yeah. we're running just about out of time here. So, uh, Emily, Kurt, thanks for joining us today on the ENC podcast. Uh, and we'll catch you guys later. Word. Thanks. Thank you.